So, Dar- Darren, <laughs> I have to tell you something. Go on. Okay, so, you know, I've been, the last four or five weeks, I've been staying up till like two in the morning doing stuff, just um, uh-huh. doing um, interviews and things. And, la- you know, it's, some nights you're more productive than others. Last night, I ended up, it got to about half 12. I thought, oh, I'll get to bed decent time. And I just went on Facebook to check something. And, you know, the the little channel on Facebook where they give you like a video feeds of stuff? Like, you know, at the top, there's all these little kind of icons and there's one that's going to kind of list the videos and you click on it and there's all these kind of videos streaming. No. Oh, right. Um, Go on. Well, sounds like I'm going to have a busy night. Well, it's 12.30. I'm thinking I'm going to get to bed. And then I see a clip of uh, an old Benny Hill show. So so I started watching this clip of the Benny Hill show, right? Can't believe you didn't ring me. And and then I and I looked and I thought, okay, I'm going to watch a couple more of these, right? So I started watching. The, so I ended up watching about 10 things of Benny Hill in a row, right? Now, they don't write them like that anymore. They don't, thankfully. And, um, you know, you're probably like me. It was probably some part of your of your childhood. It was. Right? So I was watching this, and I, I just couldn't get away from it. I was just, I mean, it was like, it was like lifting up a rock, and, you know, you're watching, you're watching the insects, and you're thinking, what are they doing? What are they doing down there? You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I was watching this, and I was just... <clears throat> I was just kind of befuddled, but also I find it completely compelling. I couldn't, ter- I couldn't tear myself away from it. Not just the the shitness of it, but the the shoddiness of it. I I'll mean, it's say. not even well. Like some of it is just so. You're gonna, no, you're gonna hate me. I'm probably all our listeners. We're only gonna lose all our listeners for what I'm about to say. But I think there is, you know what? I give the guys credit. Father Ted took some of that. And and used it amazing. What I still find funny about those Benny Hill sketches is they are shit, and that's why they're so funny now. Looking back, right, and it's probably the same human that works in Father Ted. You see the joke coming for a, a week, like the the setup is there. Like you're just waiting for the punchline. It's not even funny because it's so lame, and it's coming, and it's coming, and it's coming. And it's coming, and then it's delivered, but it's delivered in a very Benny Hill way, and he gives you the wink <laughs> and runs off. Where with Father Ted had some amazing line that was delivered, but I think I think there's maybe that's what the Father Ted boys were pulling in a little bit there. Because when I look at those old shitty Benny Hill, I laugh because I I enjoy seeing a bad joke coming for a long time. I I don't know. I don't. I, I wasn't laughing. I have to say, I wasn't laughing at all. I was just watching it, thinking, "This is so rubbish and so, um, like I said, shoddy." It, it was like, I don't know. It was a mess. Anyway, I was a mess. By the time I went to bed, I was a mess. I was like, and then dreaming in Benny Hill, dreaming in fast a, motion, a, like a, a very speeded up version of Yakety Axe. Yeah. <laughs> Whew. So anyway, that yeah. was my night last night. Yeah. So, Since you didn't ask. <laughs> well, I was going to. You know, I was going to. Well, it seems that we've sworn and spoke about uh, <laughs> deplorable Benny Hill. It's also now time to mention that we have our first ever sponsor on the Blarney Pilgrims. 
um, which is something I'm really happy about because it's a product which we've spoken about on the show before and we can't believe that um, Dara, who's the creator, would get in contact with us and actually want us to, to speak about it. Um, so you might remember a few episodes back, we had Dara O'Haley on a um, Drada um, Pipes player. Um, if you haven't listened to that episode, you absolutely should. So go back about three or four episodes. But Dara owns and operates a it's a brilliant service it's kyol fm that we spoke about during that uh, chat and what kyol fm is like for me the way i kind of understand understand it or can explain it to myself is it's like a spotify but for for irish tunes and and songs so essentially actually you know what it's better because it, it has all the things that you would wish something like spotify would have or youtube would have but it doesn't so essentially they'll let you go in and you create your profile you then once you've signed up you can create um playlists you can search by whether you want fast smooth um energetic music you can choose by what instruments you hear and then you're served up all these songs that you just can hit play on you can search by artist you can search by album name it's really every tune you ever want to listen to or every song you want to listen to at your fingertips and um yes and it's all available online accessible from anywhere all for five euros yeah must be yeah, five euros a month uh, and that's just at kyol.fm c-e-o-l dot f-m dom have you used it much i've been i've been smashing it I, I i've used it a few times actually i haven't had a chance to really dive into it although i did um i did talk to somebody about it the other day because uh i have a friend who told me um that uh, this um this isn't a joke but i had a friend who told me that he's he's been struggling with tinnitus and he's found that uh, the one thing that helps him get to sleep tonight, uh, the one thing that helps him get to sleep at night is listening to very fast Irish fiddle and <laughs> whistle music. Wow. Um, some, he said something about the... He said something about the combination of the frequency or whatever uh, seems to help cancel out the constant background noise of the tinnitus. So... Um, so I, I was mentioning to him about Kyol FM because it's because it's so searchable and so um, uh, you can filter particularly what instruments you want to hear more of, you know. Um, so um, yeah, uh, yeah. Nice since listening to the music, he's actually since listening to the music, he, he's he's actually um, he says his situation is much improved, but unfortunately his marriage is falling apart. <laughs> I thought you were going to mention the friend of yours that made special cookies and just listened to pipes music for hours on end. No, but anyway, no. that wasn't that story. No. Anyway, um, today's guest is uh, someone we've been trying to tee up for quite a long time. And again, because of COVID and what's happening around the world, we've been given an opportunity to do it via the internet. And I think, again, it's, it's worked out really well. Um, Dom, do you want to lead us in about today's guest? Yes, yeah, so and uh, today's guest is Mer- is Merrin Moyer, and she's based um, down in the southwest of Victoria in Warrnambool, and she is a whistle player, she's a Highland pipes player, and she's also a small pipes player, Scottish small pipes player, amongst many other things. She plays piano as well, and she's a teacher. She teaches music, and she's a, a tutor at the Lake School in Coroit as well. So. And I, I just, I guess there were lots of reasons we wanted to speak to her, but um, one of them in particular was because she's the first person, I think, who we've had on who plays the whistle. Is that right, Darren? 
Mm. He was playing a whistle as a, as a main instrument. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was very excited about that. And um, I know we say this every week, but uh, um, you're in for a, a, a <laughs> you're in for a great hour because um, it's just a fantastic conversation and it's great crack. So yeah, I think we should. It is just um, crack on. What do you think, Darren? Let's get in there. Enjoy. Okay. Here is Marin Moyer. Welcome to the Blarney Pilgrims podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. So um, as you'd be familiar now um, with our general way of starting, wh- what were those uh, two tunes there? Uh, the first tune was called Sound of the Sun. That's a Fred Morrison tune. And uh, the second tune is called Vivian's Jig. And it's a classic um, uh, example of buying a whole CD just to get uh, one tune. I was at a at uh, Port Ferry Folk Festival quite a number of years ago and, and heard this tune on stage. And I thought, oh, I've just got to get hold of that. So I uh, bought the whole CD for that tune. Mind you, the, the whole CD is great, but um, it's uh, by Jamie McLennan. He wrote it for his mum. Right. I was going to ask, that was the rest of the CD worth it? Because I've, <laughs> I've done that many times and unfortunately <laughs> it didn't go the way it went for you where, yes, there's a gem in there, but there's a lot of rough. <laughs> no, no, this was a gem all the way through, but that, that tune remains a favourite. Right. Um, so, so, uh, and the first one. Um, do you know where you came across that one, 
Or was, uh, was, yeah. the set, was the set from the CD? Sorry, I didn't. No, no. Uh, the first one, um, I've been a fan of Fred Morrison's for a long time and he had a CD again a long time ago now called Sound of the Sun and uh, it was just a great tune so I naturally mm-hmm. wanted to learn it. So we should say for um, listeners who are listening to us from overseas, you are in the Western District of Victoria. And um, I wanted to start by asking you about um, the music scene in in the Western District because um, when I first visited Australia many years ago, I, I remember being naively being a bit blown away by the Irish connections and the Scottish connections in that area. Um, and so I was just really interested to, to ask you about that. I mean, um, but but I don't have a specific question in mind. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, I'll I'll start by describing the Croyd area because that's a, certainly a, a a hub sort of for Irish immigration and, and remains to be a centre for a lot of Irish music. Um, and not just down the road from there is is Crosley, which is the Irish Heritage Centre. And so we're lucky. Around this area, um, you know, the, the spin-off over the years has been that there is quite a lively music scene for a country area. Um, so there's a couple of festivals based locally where there's good sessions. Um, certainly when I started into the Irish music, uh, there was a great institution called Lexus Shed. It took me a while to find Lexus Shed, but uh, it was pretty famous for hosting weekly Irish sessions, which have now moved out, out to Crosley. And... Um, you know, not not too far down the road at Camperdown, it's a real hub hub for Scottish immigration, and uh, there's lots of um, remnants of Scottish culture around there. Mm-hmm. And certainly, when I was growing up, I mean, I grew up on a dairy farm, um, twenty minutes out of Warrnambool, and uh, the 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 Scottish scene when I was growing up was all about the song and the dance and the Kayleys. So it was it was it was certainly an interesting time. And so, so what was your first exposure to to music then? In, in a general sense? In a general sense, um, probably my dad playing pipes and uh, then it certainly um, each night when we would go to bed, he would start on the piano um, and then it, it, it's funny <laughs> yeah, when you um, when you get older, you look back on your childhood and, and uh, the old ABC songbooks were a real thing in, in my little country primary school and we used to look forward to every week when there would be the radio broadcast, I'm showing my age now, the radio broadcast and, and we'd have these little song books and, and they were full of folk songs from all around the world and and uh, absolutely loved it. And what, So where would you get these um, books from? Are they kind of, are they school curriculum books or are they books you had to buy to match up with the TV or the radio show? It was the Australian Broadcasting Commission so I assume that the schools bought the books. Uh, yeah, I remember. Like we had a thing like that. It was um, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it, uh, there was a radio, there was a radio program that would be broadcast every morning at eleven o'clock, and you would have a songbook that you would sing along with these folk songs like Aiken Drum, these Scottish songs like Aiken Drum and the Wee Cooper of Fife and things like that. Yep, yeah, yep, so. and the Rattling Bog and Aye. all those sorts of things. Yeah, we had those, and in fact, they I'm a music teacher now, and that. They only got discontinued about five years ago. So uh, they were certainly a long-standing institution and the kids still loved them. Right. And, and what kind of things were you, was your dad playing? I've got this lovely image of you all tucked up in bed hearing your dad playing the, playing the piano. What was he playing? 
Um, he used to play Autumn Leaves a lot and he used to play um, My Love is Like a Red, Red Rose a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. Uh, Feralise, of course, Berserz, you know, a few classical pieces. Right. And where, does, uh, where did his music come from? He's Scottish, right? Uh, his dad was Scottish. Right. So my, my granddad was a Scottish immigrant. And my understanding is around the time of the Great Depression, my granddad was in the Merchant Navy and uh, the ship came to Western Australia and uh, he didn't actually have much to go back home for, so he decided to stay here. And uh, the romantic family story is that, you know, he made his way across the Nullarbor with nothing except his bagpipes. Um, But I think the actual harsh reality of that would have been very different. I know he used to um, jump the the red rattlers and, uh, you know. What were the red red rattlers? Train. Yeah. Yeah, catch the train, and uh, he made his way to the Western Districts and uh, was a, a labourer on lots of farms, but his pipes actually became a source of income. He used to play for lots of dancing around the district and fortunately taught his kids to play. And none of us, uh, lots of grandchildren play, but we never ever met him. He died before any of us were born. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, he's in your family then, uh, yourself and your siblings, I mean? Uh, there's myself, and I've got a sister and a brother. Right, and so all three of you learned to play. Yes, yeah, we did all play, and and Dad, being a dairy farmer, would often teach us in the dairy because that was the only time he he was kind of contained in one place. He was busy working long days, as dairy farmers do. Mm-hmm. So we'd uh, be down in the dairy helping, and we'd have our practice chanter, and um, he'd teach us to play there. Pretty nice acoustic. <laughs> yeah. I think they were pretty tolerant cows. In the buyer. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's lovely. So, um, so, so you're a practice chanter for the Highland Pipes, right? The big bagpipes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's right. Right. Yep. And so then, where where was the outlet for you? Were you? Did you have? Was there like a, a local pipe band or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a local pipe band which is still going now. Very, very strong. Very active. Uh-huh. Um, played with the pipe band and, uh, yeah, we had lots of Kayleys. It was always associated with, you know, um, with singing and dancing as well. There were, uh, the local Caledonian Society was really active and there were lots of socials and um, we did, you know, the set dancing and uh, a bit of Highland dancing. It was it was all, all about the fun. It was great. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. nice childhood. Can can you, for the benefit of somebody who's never been to a Cayley, there may be somebody listening to that hasn't been to a Scottish Cayley. Um, can you describe it? Like me. Like Dar- <laughs> Darren, yeah, tell you what, Darren, you've, um, quite often you tell me about things you've done in your life and I kind of feel like I've really missed out. But if you've never been to a Cayley, you've missed out, mate. <laughs> Seriously, the Scottish Cayley is something else. Yeah, it's just... Um, Organised madness, perhaps. I don't know. Lots of good time. Um it's dancing, it's it's singing, it's people jumping up informally to play. Um, it's all it's all about the crack, really. Um, it's it's kind of interesting that I mean I, I've always so I lived in Scotland for many years, like twenty years, and I and I I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first person to wonder about the the more um, Calvinist aspect of the Scottish character, and then this um, uh, this arena where you're allowed to really let fly. <laughs> you know, and, and is that is that what it's about? Because you keep a lid on things you know, for most of the time, and then you get to the killing, and you're like, right. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, you are actually speaking to an Aussie. I've, I've just kind of um, inherited and I have my own little version of, of what it's like. But, uh, mm. yeah, certainly, yeah, yeah, they're pretty wild. And a good kale is great. And so so what would be the kinds of um, – uh, I was going to ask you about um, the tunes, but I'm, I'm just going to say one other thing about Kayleys that's always amazed me is just that um, a, a Kaylee is uh, – it, it's just one of those things that is – it transcends every generation in the room, right? You get little kids who are five, you get old women and men who are in their 80s and they're all dancing together and it's, a, it's a, just a completely – heart-filling experience you know to see that I mean I love it it is it is absolutely and you know in recent years I've been to you know the Irish Kayleys here and they're exactly the same intergenerational having a great time you know it's just wonderful yeah yeah lots of sweat yeah tender really stripped the uh the community aspect out of courtship didn't it (laughs) it's just not the same anymore (laughs) Oh, not that I know. <laughs> no, of course not. No. Um, so, what were the kinds of um, the kinds of tunes you'd be playing, uh, Marin, um, on the Highland pipes? Right. So, what's the sort of repertoire like? Because I'm kind of interested in that before you move into playing Irish stuff, right? So, um, there were certainly there were certainly the traditional tunes, um, and you know, pipe bands have a bit of a bit of an association with marching and all that kind of stuff so you've got, got your marches you've got your dance tunes your stress bays um you've got reels as you know the irish music has reels as well jigs and hornpipes um some of it was centered around competition and in in that sense you're like anyone who's competing you're after great technique and and uh, because you're playing with other people it's about everyone doing exactly the same thing at the same time um, so there's certainly, you know, an art in that. And then probably it took until the 1980s to get into Australia. There was this thing called kitchen piping, which is which is about, you know, having lots of wild variations and there were lots of modern tunes. And I actually think, you know, in my head, I think that's a swing back to sort of that predates pipe bands perhaps when there were more regional styles of, of piping in Scotland. Um but um, certainly, growing up, my most of my piping was around the pipe band stuff and uh, and this new exciting kitchen piping. So the kitchen piping was a bit more, just a bit more free. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you could add your own variations to it because essentially you're playing by yourself. Right. Um, yeah. Harder yeah. to do when there's you know twenty four of you. <laughs> yeah, that that's all right. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't go down well. Yeah, well, for good reason as well, because the the bagpipes are pretty. Um, um, I, I think of them. The image that just flashed into my head there was like an oil tanker, right? You know that thing about like it takes <laughs> takes a very long time for an oil tanker to to turn around, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, commanding. I think was the word. Commanding. That's it. Yeah. Used. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you must have loved them, though, right? What, what? Um, actually, be, before you. I, I want to ask you about like what you love about the pipes, but I also want to know about the difference between Irish and Scottish reels and if there's a distinction that you can articulate. But um, okay. Um, so, uh, so wh- what do you, what did you love about the pipes? Um, I love all the experiences. Well, when I say all, most most of the experiences I've had through piping, I wouldn't have had 
otherwise you know I've got to travel and 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 it's just like anything that has a community around it you you travel and you have an instant link with people that perhaps you've never met um, but that gives you you know a link to them so I love that about them um, and of, of course because you know they're a family thing they're they're a bit emotive when you hear them at different occasions so mm-hmm. yeah so, Marin, would you fancy doing us uh, doing us another tune, and then we'll talk a bit more about um, about the mechanics of the the styles, and um, maybe this would be a good time to mention the fact that you also play the small pipes. I do, I do. I have I have a bit of a pipe thing going on. Yes, I, I like all sorts of different pipes. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I do. Well, do you fancy giving us a tune on the small pipes, and then um, I'll ask you about those as well. Yeah. Yep. All right. I'll fire them up. I love that pipes are something that you fire up. It's kind of it just it just sums up exactly what happens when the pipes are about to begin, doesn't it? <laughs> You're not talking about an actual fire, are you? No, 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 no. I love the idea. It's kind of it's get like with most instruments, you you don't kind of. There's a bit of prep work. It's kind of like they get introduced because they're so formidable. It's kind of like right, the growl begins. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play a little set call that I call a family set. Um, there's a little introduction of waltz by my son Kyle, and then there's a traditional jig called Mary McLaughlin, and then uh, the final one is a tune written by my brother called New Year in Noosa.
Lovely. <laughs> Brilliant. That was great. Thank you. Uh, um, so how did you come across then these the, the small pipes? And can you tell me just about how you made that transition so you, from playing in, uh, playing in pipe bands and then getting into the kitchen piping? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the kitchen piping um, was always a thing. And we always had uh, lots of, you know, the latest again showing my age, records that we could get our hands on playing in the house. And uh, in 2006, my brother was living in Scotland and working over there and uh, we'd always wanted to go. So we thought it was a good opportunity to take the kids and uh, also a good opportunity to order some small pipes, get them made. They're just like Ilum pipes. They're not an off-the-shelf, well, the good ones are not an off-the-shelf proposition. You need to uh, get get them made and... uh, so the trip was about 12 months in the planning and we finally got to Scotland in 2006, um, visited Murray and uh, then went to pick up the pipes and uh, they're actually quite lucky to be here because um, when we were heading home the day before we were to leave at uh, Glasgow Airport, uh, had a bomb scare and uh, we weren't allowed any hand luggage, which was the plan for the small pipes and I actually had two sets, I had one set bring a set home for dad as well so uh, we're madly running around uh, the shopping centres trying to find um, really sturdy cases and then wrapping every little piece of the pipe inside copious amounts of clothing and packing them inside the case anyway long story short they they did actually get here and were heartily relieved so once we once I got home um, it's kind of not a lot of fun playing by yourself in the lounge room and uh, I'd heard of this place in Warrnambool called Lex's Shed and um, it, you know I watched the newspapers and ads and ne- could never ever find it and uh, so in January, not January, in uh, March 2007 the Port Ferry Folk Festival had something called a session at the surf club and I was desperate to go and I got a couple of friends to come with me because I was too scared to go by myself and um, <laughs> <laughs> snuck in the back and listened and listened and listened for some tunes that I might know and wrote two or three and um, then started chatting to the person next to me and, you know, I was desperate to find out about Lex's Shed and anyway, long story short, he said, oh, I was one of the founding members and, oh, yeah, we meet on Thursdays at Lex's Shed and come along, come along. So so that was the start of it. Um, and uh, Who so was that person? Lex Payton. Um, he, he's a Warnable local and uh, – every Thursday night in his garage for many years before I started and for many, many years after I started, uh, he hosted a session every Thursday night. And uh, any, anyone passing through town would come. Um, it was it was just amazing. And uh, uh, Lex fi- finally decided um, it was time for him just to go to the sessions rather than host. So uh, the sessions moved out to Crosley at that stage. So so when when you get home, I know I'm jumping back a wee bit here, but when you get home with your suitcase and you unpack these two suitcases with the pipes in them yeah. and you're reassembling them, do, do you know what you're getting into? I mean, is it the kind of thing where you kind of strap yourself in and you go, okay. Actually, can we go back even further? Because sure. I have a question which will lead into that. How... Who did you choose to to make your your pipes, and how did you, how did you choose someone? Um, I did lots of research on good makes, and I 
I always figure that uh, if you're going to buy an instrument, you buy the best that you can afford. Um, and so uh, I'd heard about Hamish and Finmore and their pipes and actually my brother had a set of theirs. Um, so I, I'd heard his and, yeah, they were just beautiful. So I knew then that that was what I wanted. Yeah, because getting something uh, – because it, it's not a – no instrument is – inexpensive and but as you said like you're getting the best you can afford it's pretty daunting to get something from a knowing it's going to be of great quality but not to to have played it or and then you have to kind of go and pick it up it's such a well you're bonded to that instrument too as well like you've got incredible stories before you've even played a note on it well <laughs> that's all right and um there's a certain commitment in there isn't there like you know it's when you hand over the cold hard uh <laughs> Cash, um, but the other thing you, you know, you can also look at it as, as an investment because if you buy a decent instrument, it'll go close to holding its value, if not increase its value. You know, if you just look at the economics of it, but um, I never but it's, think of it. it's as much about the heart, right? Isn't it? Oh, that's why you do it, absolutely. Yeah, it's about the heart, it's because it's what you want to do. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine the how uncomfortable that plane journey must have been. Just wondering, like, because, you know, what it's like, you go through any airport and at some point you kind of walk around the corner and you see this huge pile of luggage that was supposed to be in a different city in a different country and it's just sitting there. And, you know, so that that's the vision that I would have of, like, my suitcase with my small pipes in it sitting in, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it's absolutely, it was a pretty frightening flight. You're only allowed your... Um, your passport and your, <laughs> and your wallet. Then they searched your wallet. That was all you were allowed to take on board. And yeah, when you've got um, thousands of dollars of pipes underneath, yeah, it's a long, sweaty journey. So, do, so do you remember um, first um, sitting down and and thinking, okay, let's see what I can get out of get out of these? <laughs> Absolutely, and it wasn't much. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, and then you know you have. The, what, the, what, what was that like? Oh, it's awful. It's you know what have I done? I've wasted all this money. Um, I can't do this. This was a really dumb idea. Um, but you don't get anywhere if you give up. So you just have to keep trying. If it's something you want to do, you just have to keep trying. And um, I'm, I'm interested though, even as a even as a. So at this point, even as a seasoned, experienced musician who's who's played a lot um, and, ex- and explored a lot, that that you still had this feeling of like, oh, maybe I can't do this. Absolutely, and I, I think that's what um, we all need to remember. And uh, I think in my job also helps me with that because I always try to be learning something. Because if I'm going to be a good teacher, I need to constantly be reminded of what it's like and how it feels to try something new and if it doesn't come the first time you know what you've got to do to coach people through to be able to do it so um and you're a music teacher yeah I teach in um some country primary schools funnily enough I teach in one of one of my schools is where I went the primary school Mm -hmm. yeah so three little country schools yeah I love it yeah so the smaller schools got fourteen kids, and the larger schools got sixty. 
um, and I have a day at each of the schools and then I also teach private um, instrumental lessons at those schools and then back at my house. Right, right. Can I just ask a question and just with the, if you're sitting there and you've, so you're, you're a proficient player but you've got this new instrument and it's, it's, it's not easy and you're struggling, how much, and this, this kind of shows maybe more of how much I don't understand about Scottish pipes or just pipes in general, is what foundation did you have? Like what, what is transferable or what, or what was transferable? Uh, the understanding of air, um, uh, you've certainly got a repertoire of tunes, although the repertoire of small, you know, strict small pipe tunes is different to Highland pipes. Um, but you can certainly play Highland pipe tunes on small pipes. Um, you have quite an understanding of reeds, uh, but it's, it's using the bellows because they're powered by bellows, just like the Ellen pipes are powered by bellows. So that's just a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah. So it's getting, getting control of that. Yeah. And when you, um, when you wash up at this, at this session, um, I mean, that's another moment of what I'm interested in. I think I've mentioned in this before that um, the moment of fear before you go into a session where you're not, you're not known there. Yeah. <laughs> like I've sat in my car outside and outside a session, a very friendly, hospitable session. And I've sat in the car thinking, I'll oh, just go home, just go home, just go home, just go home. You know I think mean? it's more nerve wracking than playing in front of people, I think, is sitting in the car before you go in to play with other people. <laughs> It is for me. Anyway, I just, I really relate to that, Marin. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to share that moment with you. Yeah, no, thank you. And it, 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 that feeling still comes if, you, if you're going to a new session where you don't know anyone. Um, yeah, I think it's, a, it's part of being human. So, so, so then, um, who were the players that, that you ended up um, playing with there who you were, um, and, and, and what's the sort of progression of introducing the pipes and trying a couple of tunes and... How did that sort of pan out? Here locally? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Lex is a gracious host and um, Tommy Cardi was in the room and Tommy's very warm and encouraging and uh, Lehman Chambers and, gosh, I don't want to mention too many names. I'll forget somebody, but um, uh, Marty Ruan, uh, Glenn Hudson. Yeah, just, you know, a great crew of people always encouraging me. At that stage, there was... Jo Joan Wolf was in there as well, um, nudging me to play all the time. So you know, I felt very warm and embraced. My biggest worry was, uh, you know, just thinking or hoping I wasn't going to play a tune that offended anyone. Um, what would offend anyone? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They're, they're some of the silly thoughts that come into your head. Well, you never know, right? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so, uh, but no, look, I was really, really lucky. Really lucky. And Don King, Don was great. He he helped me um, with, you know, all the tunes that everyone knew how to play. So he was, and set me straight with what what the good tunes were to learn. So This was a, it was an Irish session or was it a, a mix of Scottish and Irish? Pretty much Irish. Yeah, okay. Yep. And and yep. so like it's not like you wouldn't have heard Irish music, but um, I'm wondering then, this, this brings me back to the point that I mentioned earlier, like, how would you distinguish between a Scottish reel and an Irish reel, for instance? Is there a distinction to be made there? Um, I think I think with the Scottish piping, 
reels. There's there's a very sort of dot cut feel to them. Um, however, that with the modern players do that less. There was sort of a period of time, you know, things go in fashions, I guess. Um, so that was a distinction. At what what do you mean by dot cut? Um, rather than a, you know a, a constant pulse. Um, just a different expression, I guess, of it, and the, slightly more hornpipey. Yes, yes, very much. Yeah, um, but uh, that's less so in the kitchen piping world. And you know, there are some reels you hear, and you think, "Oh, yeah, that's that's definitely Scottish." And and there's other reels you hear, and, "Oh, yeah, that's definitely Irish." And then there are there are these reels, this body of reels that are, in my head are in the middle ground. They could fall either way, depending who's playing them and how they're played. So, yeah, it, it's a tricky one. Right. It's not It's it's not all that clear in my head. Right, okay. And and I suppose it's not something to get hung up on, right? It's just... Well, uh, I just... Or is I it? Love, well, <laughs> well it, it might be depending who you ask. In my world, um, I, I like to play tunes that I like. And, you know, if, if they're Irish or if they're Scottish or if they're Breton or if they're from somewhere else, you know, a, tune, a good tune is a good tune mm-hmm. in, my, in my head. And I, I like the dancey stuff, so. Yeah. Would you, would you like to give us another, another set? Sure. Should I play pipes or whistle? Um, uh, maybe, Darren, what are you thinking? Player's choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, pipes okay. would be lovely. Whatever you feel like. Were they? <laughs> uh, 
the first one's called Devil in the Kitchen. Uh, the second one is called uh, The Fairy Dance, a Scott Skinner tune. And the third one is an Irish one. I'm trying to remember the name. Scott Skinner. Now, um, Scott Skinner, um, who was Scott Skinner? Uh, can you, Marin, can you come into your mic a wee bit as well, please? Because you're, I think you okay, might. Okay, is that, is that better? Uh, yep, that's uh, good. Uh, Scott Skinner, um, famous Scottish fiddler back in the 1700s. Composed a rake of tunes. He did compose a rake of tunes. And, and that one, uh, Fairy Dance, it gets called Fairy Dance in Scottish sessions, gets called the Fairy Reel in Irish sessions. Right. Now, you used a, a lovely phrase um, earlier, the um, the understanding of error. Um, ah. Yeah. That's, um, let's muse on that for a moment. <laughs> what... Uh... <laughs> Keep digging, Dom. Keep digging. No, no, no. no it's, it's, I just, it, I wrote it down three times. It's just kind of, um, it's echoing around in my mind. And I mean, I guess it, it relates to both. Well, it relates to the whistle, obviously, and the pipes and the small pipes. And, um, yeah. What about that? <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> it may be way less romantic than, than how it sounds. Um, it, it, it's an understanding of, uh, feeling, the air in your instrument and um, there's a certain back pressure that the reeds give you and so it's it's that feeling of connecting with with that air in the bag and and just understanding where that pressure needs to be and it's different in different pipes um been having a go on Ellen pipes for the last seven or eight years and and the air in Ellen pipes is totally different um, and you have to mani- manipulate it a little bit more to, to so that the instrument will jump up into that top octave whereas um, on small pipes and on highland pipes you know you you, you don't manipulate that air at all you, you keep it rock solid steady because any variation is going to change the pitch of the instrument and you know put it out of tune so, yeah, I guess, I guess you get <laughs> that's that's a great answer. Like, so when you say you manipulate it, um, so I know what you mean about the disaster that ensues when you don't keep the the bagpipe pressure going, right? Um, I used to work in a I used to work in a wine store, and there was a fella in Scotland, and and there was a fella who used to busk at the shopping centre down the street, and um, he had a an inconstant. Supply of air, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and the spine pipes, it was... Boy, it made for a long Saturday, you know. <laughs> that was your most famous heckle of all time, too. That's who you used to shout at him, too, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. what are you manipulating when you... What does that feel like when you're talking about the Ulan pipes? There's a little... Um, little... I call it a jump, I guess. You know, you, you you need to make sure that the pressure is right there in in the bag and and then there's a little jump that helps the reed go up into the top octave. Um, and, uh, yeah, the master players make it look easy and you've certainly interviewed a few of those um, and the rest of us make it. See, I, I hadn't realised until I was researching for uh, today's interview what that one octave meant for the small for the small pipes and now that you you start talking about it like this so i i am i am right in thinking that that's what i've read is right so the small pipes you only have you've got the nine notes which is one octave is that right yeah that's right um and then eight notes is an octave, so one note more than an octave so then with the ilum pipes 
do you, to make that jump you that's the same read is it that you would use for the second octave yeah yeah it's one read that does both those functions yeah it's, it's pretty amazing stuff yeah. So it's sort of, a sa- of like physics. a saxophone kind of thing? Well, well, I guess so. There's a whole lot of physics in there that I don't understand, but um, it's... Look, speaking it's of physics, I'm going to have to say it because it, it's in the back of my head again. Listening to you play, and I know it's been amplified because we're doing this over the internet and there's probably a bit of compression and stuff, but I've said it before, and I think I'm going to have to say it again, but the the sound of the pipes, and I think the small pipes even more so, remind me of... The sound of remember the, remember stylophones. Yes. I love stylophones, and and maybe this. Marin, do you did, did you have stylophones here? No, I don't think so. So a stylophone was like a little electronic handheld instrument that you played. It had a sort of electronic circuit, and it had a, a metal stylus that you slid up and down it. And it would make this. Uh, that, that's how you made the tune. Really, it was. It was advertised in the UK by Rolf Harris. Funnily enough, but David right, Bowie okay, also well, made I'm it cool. Gonna... Let's not let Rolf Harris poo-poo <laughs> all over it. <laughs> well, I'm going to Google it. Um, once but I think I think it, it must be that reed sound. Like I know it's not a a reed in there. It's an analog waveform. But it, there's something about that. It's just such an beautiful i i know analog is a silly word to use for it but there's a that reed texture is such a rich texture it's it's so beautiful i don't really have a question off the end of it it's just <laughs> well and i think that's what you know if you like it, that's what gets pipers into is sort of that that reedy sound and then um the relationship between that reedy sound and, and the drones when it's all when it all when all the harmonics click in it's it's a bit and of then, a trip really since we're we're in the territory of asking simple questions maybe could i ask maybe this is an obvious or a simple question but what is the the fingering similarities between the whistle and the pipes if are there are there any uh, the whistle is closer to the ellen pipes than to the small pipes how so um, ha- uh the Highland and small pipes are more of a closed finger system. So when you're in your top hand, you're playing notes in your top hand, your bottom hand is on. Right. Um, yeah, so so small pipes and highland pipes are, are very similar, whereas whistle's closer to Ellen pipes. Now, the, the whistle, so that it's interesting to, to think about the... Um, I, I've often wondered about... I mentioned the saxophone there, and I've often wondered about those um, the, the pressure that you talk about um, in an instrument that that uses reeds um, seems to produce, for me, it seems to produce a kind of emotional intensity that sometimes um, is missing from something like, for instance, the whistle, right? Where where there isn't a sense of like um, uh, something muscular being held back. You know what I mean? There is, there is that emotive thing with the reeds. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And- and you see it, you know, um, at events, you know, when the Ilum pipes kick in or any pipes kick in, um, it'll set people off. And it, it, there is something very, it's almost human-like, I guess, um, about the reason. Yeah. So, so then how did you move from 
from there towards the whistle were you were you playing at the same time you're going to the session and going to other sessions around them I'm assuming is that when you started playing the whistle as well yeah I've always had whistles on and off over the years and like most kids learnt recorder in school and did a bit with that so it was great just to have the whistle and try and learn some tunes um that everyone else was playing that I didn't know on pipes or that I couldn't play on pipes. So, yeah, the whistle's a great instrument for that. And I also love the fact that when I wasn't feeling brave, I could just have it in my handbag and just go and nobody know it that I had an instrument and I could just decide whether I was going to stay. I'm very yeah. familiar with that. Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> I don't even have to take the thing. I, I'll just, you know, if, if yeah. I don't feel like it, nobody knows. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Um, so, so let's. Um, you're the first whistle player, serious whistle player, I think that we've had on, <laughs> that we've had on the show. So I'm really interested to to ask you about it. So, um, um, I guess for for me when I started learning the whistle, it, it was very much as you described because it's it's accessible to kids, and it was cheap, right? Yep. You get a a generation. One of those generation D whistles for two ninety nine or something. Um, yep. So, so what's the um, if we talk about the appeal of the reeds? What's the appeal of the whistle for you? Um, because at that stage, when I was starting to go to the sessions, you know, I had the nine notes on the small pipe, so the whistle gave me all those other notes. Um, and uh, yes, it's accessible. And it can be as simple or as complicated as you want it to be. And, and so when you start learning, yes, you play the notes and then, oh, there's all these ornaments that you can put on and then if you blow it different ways, it, it can make different sounds and then there's all the different makes of whistles have different characteristics. And, you know, if you strike it lucky, you can get a generation that sounds better than a whole heap of expensive whistles. Um, but they're far and few between. Um, so... Yeah, it's just such a versatile instrument. And then you get one and then you want to try another one and that's how the music illness goes, I think. Yeah, it's funny that I remember years ago thinking, you know, I'd like to buy myself a really good whistle and then I saw a video of Liam O'Flynn playing with Plankstein and he was playing one of the the Generation D whistles with a with a red top and a the, the kind of yellow gold-coloured, um, what do you call that bit, barrel? <laughs> the bit with yep. the holes in it? I thought, well, it's good enough for him, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so, um, um, how this sounds like staying in the office, but like, how how is the air different? Well, the air just disappears down the instrument, so there's no sort of not a lot of back pressure or anything. You're not holding it anywhere; it just goes. But having said that, you know, um, it, there's things that you can do, like. Um, Plenty of whistle players use tonguing, you know, to articulate notes um, and you can kind of open your throat a little bit to change the tone and uh, and then, of course, you know, the low D whistle, there's all different variations of um, how much air that they take. That seems to be a big topic amongst people, you know, how air efficient is your big low D whistle? Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, but a, a low D whistle must a low D whistle must be child's play compared to the Highland pipes, right? In terms of air. Uh, yes, although um, you can't 
you can't take a breath for very long because when you take a breath, there's no sound coming out. No, there's no slack. But that, but that, that is funny because as, as you're talking there, I'm thinking about the if you're nervous playing the Highland Pipes, um, I imagine the nervousness comes out mainly through your fingers. <laughs> but but um, playing the whistle when you're nervous, it comes out through your fingers and also through the <laughs> through the <laughs> through the terrible sounds you're making. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, it's a bit more direct. Yeah. yeah so, sure. so, so there's a there's a direct connection right to your heart there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I like the way that you put that. Yeah. Um, would you Would you give us a whistle tune? <laughs> okay. Thank you. This is great, Marin. Thank you so much for doing this. That's okay. No worries. It's 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 really it's a bit surreal. My computer's now turned black, so I'm just talking to the wall. Um, okay, I can hear you, so it's good. So what do you fancy playing? Um, uh, well, I do... I might actually play a little air. Seeing we've been talking about air. <laughs> okay. Just make sure we're warmed up. Marianne, what is that tune? Um, that's a little air that I wrote when I was just feeling very quiet one day. Hasn't got a name yet. Um, so for the non-whistle players out there, uh, uh, there's a lot of half-hole work there. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. What, what's that now? Um, so to, um, well, so to, um, Marion can explain this better than me, but um, to to get the in-between notes, that's some of the semitones and things, you have to half cover a hole or slide it, slide up or slide down a wee bit. Would that be right, Marion? Yeah, it is. It's pretty much a set scale on the whistle, so there's not a lot of, not many chromatics. So to get those sneaky little notes in between, yeah, mm -hmm. you can alter the fingering to get them. Is that why I'm always seeing you with your fingers half over the holes, Dom? Me, um, it's it's um it's also the the last refuge of the the whistle playing scoundrel because if you're if you don't know what you're doing you can you can try and hide things by you know um, anyway um Marin I wanted to ask you a bit more about um your progress in playing music because when we spoke earlier you had mentioned that you had a period where you sort of moved away from music. Yeah, and that was really just circumstance. Um, we was also, that when you were young? When you were younger, or uh, no? It was in our early married life. We also went into dairy farming. We wanted to live on the land, and um, you know, at that stage, uh, unless you had inherited a property, um, the best way to get into it was to go dairy farming on a share farm. So we that's what we did, and uh, managed to play music for a little while in the first few years, but then the kids came along. So between kids and and uh, seven-day-a-week job, there wasn't a lot of time for playing music. So it was about 15 years there where there's a little chasm in uh, my music-making experience. And did, did it just – did it happen kind of by accident or was there a – Yeah, look, I think it was just circumstance. It, you know, things just got busier and busier and, and farming's a seven-day-a-week enterprise and uh and yeah and suddenly you realize you haven't been to a session for six months well i hadn't yeah. started session playing at that stage right yeah the session playing was long was probably when the kids were late primary early secondary was when i started into the session playing okay okay um how would you describe the um the session seen in the western district and I, I i guess i'm asking that because i um i'm curious just about some of the places where the sessions would happen apart from uh, lexus shed like where were the other places that you would have said that this was a real meeting spot you know yeah well certainly there's crosley which, which i've mentioned and on a tuesday night there's a group and crosley's um, a uh, crosley's a wee town Wee Town, um, just out of Croyd, right. so five minutes from Croyd, um, and there's a church and um, hall there that the community now owns and uh, are setting it up as a cultural centre. So on Tuesday night, the Irish dancers are there, and in the supper room, there's a, a group of lo local musicians learning the Irish tunes. Uh, we have once a month sessions at the Shanaki Hotel in Warrnambool, which is great, which are great. We have uh, once a month at the Vic Hotel in Port Ferry. And uh, there's also a group in Camperdown called Tuniversal and they meet every Wednesday night. They do um, Irish, Scottish, sort of world music really, lots of different styles down there. Um, but, you know, over the years I have to say, you know, it's becoming a little more fragile in that the number of tune players is dwindling. So um, we need to do something about... Uh, 
attracting some more and training some more up. Right, right. And, and uh, you know, as a teacher, I, I was wondering, so um, you do a, a lot of teaching and um, at school and privately as well. So I'm, I'm always intrigued uh, about um, what happens when you're teaching someone and they, after a few lessons, you, f- you kind of realize that this isn't really going to work. This maybe isn't for them. You know what I mean? How do you... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, I probably wait a little bit longer than a few lessons because, you know, there's also, also you know, the rabbit in the spotlight scenario where it, it might be something so foreign they've never done right. before. But but certainly um, if there's a period of time and, you know, it's not happening, I, I don't keep quiet. I, I certainly have the conversation and ask, you know, what's hard, you know, is there anything I can help you with, da, 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 da. But sometimes there's a lot with finding your instrument and I think I think all of us have got the music in us. Um, we mightn't have found the right vehicle to get the music out. So, for example, you know, I, I teach a lot of piano kids. Piano is great, but it's not for everyone. So if if it's not happening for piano, then maybe they need to try something else. and um, I'm lucky where I work, I've got, um, you know, a few different instrument lessons happening so they can, it's a great age to, you know, try different ones. So, so that's certainly what we do. Do you get, do you get something different out of teaching different instruments? Oh, absolutely. It gives you a broader picture of music, I guess. And, um, there's different methods of teaching and so it, and teaching itself is a real craft, so you, you're always learning new things and different ways of presenting things. And I learned piano as a kid, and um, as much as I loved it, I gave up when I was 14 because it was actually really lonely. You'd play in the lounge room. Um, once a year, you did your exam. It, you know, you could play four pieces really well in a whole year, and then you'd start on your next four pieces the next year. And um, it was a, as an adult I went back and did more piano study but um so in my piano teaching you know just one little thing that I do with my kids is we have a once a term jam session where we bring the kids learning all different instruments together and we just learn what it's like to enjoy that community of music which is what you know the Irish music does so mm-hmm. well so do, do um, you remember then when you were when you were 14 like were you conscious at the time that uh, this is kind of lonely or was it more just like a, a general sense of like I'm not this isn't much fun I'm 14 come on yeah it was all of those things right. yeah I, I'm lonely I'm lonely um I have to be inside practicing and what am I practicing for the four pieces in an exam room um so yeah that that is a bit lonely mm-hmm. I think did you um did you teach your own kids no <laughs> that's a very short answer yeah. no I didn't no no. Um, my, Is that my, because you professionally have seen what can happen? Um, <laughs> what, can, what can happen? <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I didn't want to do that to my kids. Um, or to me, I think it's it's a whole different thing. And I guess the other thing is, you know, I teach all day. Um, don't necessarily need to come home and then start on my own too. That's not fair to them. Um, and I think it's good. Again, coming back to having a broad, you know, spectrum, it's really good to have 
access to different teachers and and for them I felt it was you know a little start in sending them out in the musical world rather than their mother again and then did when they were going out into that world of learning music was it something was that did that come from you um setting it setting it up as a um as a priority for something that you you wanted them to learn or had they already shown a bit of interest in 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 music um i think the piping thing it's just something their family does and everyone does it and and it's been has always been a fun thing that we like to do so it was sort of natural the piano thing that was probably me i wanted them to learn music and piano does give you a really good um baseline and understanding of, of lots of different things because their method is kind of so highly refined I guess um, but the piano didn't last all that long like they reached a reasonable level but it wasn't their passion and uh, so they gave up which is perfectly fine and they both found their passion in other things Lockie plays guitar and mando all the time um, and really? Kyle's on his bass so, yeah yep there's hope. Well, that, I'm, I'm, I think, the same as many parents at the moment, tipping away at the idea of possibly teaching kids music. And, well, first of all, maybe those that can't shouldn't teach. <laughs> so uh, I'm struggling <laughs> with that. And, yeah, just coming up against the, um, they are 10, but coming up the coming up against the, the lack of interest, lack of genuine interest is, is tough, particularly when there's other things which rule their life like sports and 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 just video games just kind of things they'd rather be doing which kind of makes sense as well yeah the tricky line as a parent that's for sure i look my dad did it he he taught all of us to play but um i I don't think i would have been a good teacher for my own kids also you know times were different in those days you know (laughs) you know parents did a lot of things in those days that we don't do now (laughs) so um so, Marion, it's been a delight to talk to you um, and you've been wonderfully tolerant of our uh, technical glitches. So thank you so much. Um, 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 if anyone is interested in lessons and or just getting in touch with you, uh, where should they look for you? That's a really good question. Um, maybe just find me on Facebook if you're a Facebook person. Okay. Yep. And you can and they can look through our show notes and we'll connect to you there. Yeah, well. yeah, absolutely. And when the festivals are on again, we'll be around the festivals, of course. Fantastic. Lovely. Looking forward Isn't that a lovely thought? Isn't it? It seems like a different mm. life. A long time ago. How, how, how has it been for you? Like, what's your experience been like? Um, job-wise, it's been really interesting. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff I've learned, including this interview, a whole lot of tech stuff that I've always thought, you know, I need to know this because I play music and I've never done it. I've always gone and asked other people to do it for me. Um, so I've learned a lot. Um, I've had to set myself up with tech stuff to teach, um, but I know a lot more now. So that's really good. I like learning. Um, I like challenges. Um, I do miss the face-to-face. I find, you know, five hours looking at pixelated people um, is not the same as as uh, being face-to-face. So I, I miss that aspect of it. But again, I'm not minding the permission to stay to stay at home and and actually play a bit more of the music that I really want to practice. So, 
you know, there's pros and cons. There's always good things to come out of bad. We're, we're kind of lucky to be in a position that we've got enough food and a comfy house and um, we're okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, would you give us another couple of tunes to finish off on the whistle? Sure. Would that be all right? Yeah, no worries. I'll finish off with a couple of reels. Thanks so much, Maroon. Thank you. Scottish or Irish? Oh, <laughs> I think they're Irish. Uh, the Longford right. Collector, Castle Kelly, and if we maybe a third one if we get there, we'll see. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Was that fun or what? <laughs> it's good when you've got a uh, some tribulations to to bond you. Yes. <laughs> before it takes away any any little bits of nervousness. They're all gone once you've got uh, the upheavals of the internet to get through. Yeah, yeah. I should mention that our our, our recording actually uh, seized about two thirds of the way through, so we had to go back and um, and rejoin Marin. So um, yeah, she's a saint. <laughs> and, she is. And uh, very patient lady. It was so great. Uh, it was so great to have a chance to talk to her after, um, after wanting well, to. It's been so months. Long. Yeah, I know, I know. We it is funny. Up, um, it, it is in, funny that in January. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it funny that, like, as you mentioned, you know, 
it has taken the current state of things to sort of give us license to do the people who are sort of in our middle distance. Not, you know, it's not just people in London or somebody in the States or whatever. It's like somebody, somebody in, in the Western District of Victoria. No. Mm, exactly. Well, ordinarily, that would have been a, a full day. It's a three-hour drive down, three-hour drive back, set up and record. You're, you're looking yeah, at yeah. a seven-hour, eight-hour day just in getting getting that done so yeah. you just you take the take the positives with the negatives yeah yeah so thanks again um, Aaron Lawyer that was really that was really a lot of fun yes thank you so much um I w- absolutely want to say thank you to our um new patrons that came over during the week and to our ongoing patrons but uh our new patrons that came over during the week thank you so much for that really appreciate it um gonna keep saying it the podcast will continue to be to be free and uh that's the model we want it to be we won't we don't want people to have to pay for it but it does take money to to create and uh, it takes a lot of a lot of time and money to to keep it rolling so if you do have the means please head over to patreon.com forward slash balani pilgrims and pick a tier that works for you in there it's like you can you can give us enough to split a pint between us you can give us enough so we can have a pint each and there's other levels in there too so yeah. whatever suits you or if if you want to go down to like split a half pint between you a pot i'm sure a pop a pot as they would call it in australia yeah, yeah. let us know and i'm sure we could work it out because yeah. every little bit helps yeah anyway with that i think we're done for the day actually just before we do go of one one more thing to uh mention i know this is a long episode but it's definitely worth mentioning so about two weeks ago three weeks ago put a call out saying hey look we'd really love to um get a wikipedia page because it will really help our um google rankings so anyone that looks for an irish music podcast or blani pilgrims we'll start ranking put that call out and straight away sebastian got uh sebastian's a lad who lives in melbourne actually um got in contact and said should be able to help within a few days he had a paid set of force which has every single episode catalogued in there hyperlinked to all the um all the other artists that have wikipedia pages and then he did warn me that we could get uh busted for not being notorious enough and sure enough that happened and then david who is in germany jumped in and has put in a good fight to keep us in there so thank you so much to sebastian and david you bloody legends um if anyone feels the inclination the debate around whether the blarney pilgrims is contributing enough to irish music is still ongoing within wikipedia so if you're if you're uh if you're so inclined add your two cents in there to say yeah the lads are actually trying to do something worthwhile and uh you know when i looked this when i looked this up uh i i couldn't help but notice that somebody had written run of the mill podcast which we are <laughs> get uh there's nothing run of the mill about this mate i mean when it comes to two fellas interviewing people who can play for at least an hour who are based out of australia we are the best that i know of totally and you totally. point out somebody else <laughs> that's better i'll hang up my hat but until that day the hat stays on all right well listen um thanks again to Mary moyer for today's episode it was lovely and just a real um a delight thanks Mary. and um thanks for listening we'll see you next week good luck
Dominic and Darwin five stars. Thank you.